Welcome to Catechesis, a digital outreach of First Presbyterian Church of LaGrange. Catechesis is Greek for teaching. That's precisely what we will do with this podcast. Take Christians back to their roots through spoken word and study. Here's your host, Pastor James Goodlett. Welcome to Catechesis, a production of Lewis and Broad Media. My name is James Goodlett. I'm one of the pastors at First Presbyterian Church here in beautiful LaGrange, Georgia. This is the second episode of this weekly podcast in which we will be taking a look at the scripture for the week that will be preached the following Sunday here at First Pres and breaking it down a little bit, offering a bit of an introduction for y'all. Also, you can, I guess you could call it the the mother podcast of this fledgling media outreach. It's called Lewis and Broad. We just wrapped up season two in the last couple of weeks. Check that out. Again, all of that information is on lewisandbroad.org. But today we're going to dive into 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 4 through 20. So if you got your phones, your scriptures, your, your old leather Bible or whatever it is, I would invite you to go ahead and open up your scripture to 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 4 through 20. And I'm going to trust that you can Take a look at that on your own, and I'm just going to talk a little bit about what's going on here. In terms of context in the biblical canon, this is a period during which there is a transition taking place from the time of the judges to what would soon become the time of the monarchy for ancient Israel. And so 1 Samuel is all about the unfolding of that monarchy. But the story of the start of the monarchy, the start of the kings, it takes root in a very unexpected way, which if you think about it, that's how God works so often throughout scripture. We're about to get into Advent and Christmas time, which means we're going to hear about the story of the birth of Christ, and that happens in an unexpected way with Mary. Or you could look at something like the story of the exodus of God's people under the oppressive thumb of Pharaoh. How does that happen? Well, God chooses Moses, who wasn't too adept at public speaking or leading, and yet it is Moses who was called to do that work. This is how God works so often in unexpected ways. And the unexpected way that gives birth to the monarchy in ancient Israel starts with Hannah. Now, what do we know about Hannah? We are introduced to her here in 1 Samuel 1, and when we are introduced to her, we immediately learn quite a bit about her. We learn that she is one of two wives of a man named Elkanah. We learned that the other wife's name is Penina, and she has children, but we also learn that Hannah has no children. In fact, Hannah is barren, which means she cannot have any children, and Penina will not let her hear the end of it. The scripture says that she is Hannah's rival. 
But interestingly enough, we also learn that Hannah is the favored of the wives of Elkanah. You see right there at the beginning of chapter 1 that when Elkanah sacrifices, he gives portions to his wife, Peninnah, and to all her sons and daughters. But Hannah gets a double portion because he loved her. The scripture explicitly says that. But still, in spite of that, Hannah is completely devastated about her lot in life, and rightly so. This was a society that was both patriarchal, which meant that men ruled the roost, and it was also patrilineal, which meant that birthing children, specifically sons, defined the quote-unquote success of women. In fact, it ensured their survival. You look at scriptures like Ruth, and you hear about how Naomi was in such a vulnerable position because her husband and her sons had died. And here, you see Hannah. She has... No children, specifically no male children, which puts her in an incredibly vulnerable spot. And the thing is, she's completely helpless here. There's nothing that she can do to change her lot in life. And her husband, Elkanah, tries to help out. He reminds her that he loves her. He says, am I not worth more to you than 10 sons? Why are you sad? And I just want to turn to Elkanah here. I, I wish he could just, like a, like a hologram, just kind of stand up in, in my Bible at this point in time. Because I just want to be like, dude, bless your heart. Bless your heart. Because you've completely missed the point. Yeah, you love her, but you also just said, am I not worth more to you than 10 sons? I don't know. That just sounds a little bit narcissistic to me. And he completely ignores her pain. He completely ignores why she was hurting. He completely ignores the vulnerable state she's in. I mean, if he were to die and she didn't have any children, she's in a world of hurt but he misses that he ignores it and that's one of the first things i want to say about this text is that there i call it the problems with pleasantries we especially and again we're in georgia here and we love us some pleasantries and we like to say things when people die like oh they're in a better place so or, oh, they're now at peace. Or when we ask somebody how they're doing, we'll say, oh, we're just fine. But what we are really doing is we are ignoring, potentially ignoring, where that person is right then. I do it all the time. I, I I was in a text message conversation the other day with somebody, and they had just 
had to pull together a funeral service for a relative, and I wanted to default to every pleasantry in the book, and I had to discipline myself not to say them. We cannot be Elkanah. We have to be willing to meet people in their pain. Don't say things like, am I not worth more to you than 10 sons? Or, they're in a better place. No. Meet people where they are. That's the first thing I want to say about this text, because Elkanah, yeah, he means well. But there's a saying about the road to hell and being paved with good intentions. So let's go back. I also want to circle back before I go any farther in this scripture. I also want to circle back to Penina. Wow, she is so wrong. Just absolutely wrong. She completely torments Hannah for the fact that she is unable to have any children. But I have to look at myself in the mirror. I think we all do. Sometimes we have to be willing to use scripture as a lens or a mirror at which we can look at ourselves more closely. And I have to ask the question, how often do I or how often do we, whether willingly or unwillingly, whether intentionally or unintentionally, how often do we torment people for things that are completely beyond their control? This is a, this is a very familiar biblical motif, this story. There is one wife who has children and the other does not. There are the haves and the have-nots. And so, just as I said earlier, let's be careful not to be Elkanah and, and gloss over people's pain. Well, let's also not be Peninnah. And I, I could be, by the way, just for the record, I could be absolutely brutalizing the pronunciation, the proper pronunciation of her name. But anyways, I digress. We cannot be her. We have to watch what we do lest we marginalize, oppress, put others down for situations that are beyond their control. Or for that matter, we just need to be careful not to put people down. I know that's, that feels like a Sunday school lesson right there, but it's true. And that's exactly what Peninnah does. So let's move on just to the second part of this scripture when Hannah prays. She prays this heartfelt prayer to God that, that she could have a child, a son, and if she were to have said child, then that child's life would be devoted to God in so many words. And then there is Eli, the priest, and he sees her praying. Oh my goodness. There are so many times when I've watched a movie and I've seen a pastor or some religious figure completely mess it up when they're trying to counsel somebody. That's the same reaction I have here. Eli sees her praying and for some reason he makes the leap that she's completely hammered. She is drunk. 
And she's praying. And he tells her in so many words, you're drunk, woman. How long will you make a spectacle of yourself? Put away your wine. Yet again, somebody completely misses the point. And it makes me wonder how often do we, as people of faith, miss what's right before our eyes? How often are we quick to judge people? Are we quick to completely misread a situation? I do it all the time. I draw conclusions so fast. I'm just all kinds of judgy. I'm Eli. And I just wonder how many of us can relate to that. And the other thing I want to ask is this. What if we were to pray like Hannah? What if we were to pray so fervently that people thought we were completely wasted. And I wonder what would happen if we were to act that way. If our ideas as the church in our efforts, no matter how imperfect, to be faithful were mistaken for drunkenness. Those people are fools. What if we were to pray like Hannah. What might happen? See this scripture, encounter it, engage it for what it is at this very point. And at this very point, you have a woman in distress. And I think we have to be very careful with this scripture too, by the way. Because there are families, husbands, wives, out there who struggle with this very thing, with infertility. And we need to recognize this scripture for what it is. A woman who is in complete distress for something that feels completely out of her control. And I think First Samuel chapter 1 offers us a bit of a cautionary tale. When we are called and urged not to miss the pain points in our midst. Let's not just leap ahead to 1 Samuel 2 when everything turns out okay, but let's be willing to meet people where they are. Let's not make the same mistakes that Eli makes, that Elkanah makes, and that Penina makes. And maybe, let's be willing to have the faith of Hannah, who prays in a drunken way, that God will be there for her. That is this week's catechesis. Again, you can find all of our podcasts on lewisandbroad.org. As always, I say to you, remember who and whose you are, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us this week at Catechesis. Be sure to follow along on our websites, lewisandbroad.org and fpclagrange.org. See you next week.